0: All the stuff we said in 2020 forget that put it on pause <laughs> it on we'll pick it back pause. up when we've got money yeah 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 <laughs> black lives matter some of the time yeah
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> welcome to impolite company where we talk about all the topics that interest us and that impact our lives as queer black people in the workplace I'm Ella and I work with companies on transforming their leadership cultures.
1: And I'm Kieran and I'm a leader in design and research in the tech space.
0: Hi. Hello. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so um Kieran and I are already just talking about how not nervous. I wouldn't describe I wouldn't describe us both as nervous but how mm-hmm. um even in coming to this podcast and wanting to just have a fairly free-flowing, fairly unfiltered conversation, we're both putting pressure on ourselves yeah. to have the perfect answer, know the perfect discussion topics and be perfect in every way. <laughs> yeah.
1: And effectively making it feel really unnatural. Yes.
0: Yeah, doing the opposite of what we're trying to achieve here. But I think it's an interesting question as we as yeah. we embark upon our first podcast recording. The, the, the first pancake, as we're, call, <laughs> as we're calling this first episode. Um, what it feels like to be... Or, or the pressure, I suppose, that we put on ourselves, essentially as minorities, yeah in professional spaces, of which this is sort of a professional space. Yeah. Um, to get it right and to be hyper-prepared and to know all of the answers just in case and to be the
1: expert. Yeah, and we just basically just questioned each other on that and been like, when we speak to each other, are we, do we care about having all the right answers? i we're like, no, because nobody's perfect.
0: No, no, and we want this to feel, I think, very much like a dinner party conversation. Yeah. The kinds of conversations that we have over dinner all of the time. Yeah.
1: I love that dinner party. I'm like, in my head, I, str- I go to like a really elegant like dinner party where we're talking about a very about, refined, very,
0: refined. <laughs> <laughs> very in a very classy setting yeah um yeah but um we're both i think it feels unnatural i'd be fair to say it feels unnatural to us both to have to bring an unstructured conversation into what feels like a fairly professional setting yeah because of all of the pressure which is part of what we're, I suppose, trying to talk about with this podcast is the the rules we set for ourselves yeah. as people who exist at multiple intersections and the ways in which we experience pressure that other people maybe are not so aware of.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a, a really good example of us putting ourselves out there and getting an insight of like, how we process this right like it's not always easy and a lot of the time we've had to be super prepared for stuff to make sure that there's not uh there's no weakness in your in your armor or there's no perceived weakness in your armor yes. and being genuine and being um vulnerable is something that I think you have to learn and practice and i think this is a yeah. really we're doing that right we we i think we're always doing it
0: we are practicing in action <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's a it's an interesting point because um this by definition i'm in a room Hmm. with my friend there's no one else here by definition this is a safe space yeah Uh, and yet it takes us quite a lot to almost like reprogram and unlearn a lot of the practices that we've picked up of needing to be perfect in every yeah. space because we're used to being in spaces that don't feel safe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that until you are able to comprehend it and, and, and talk about it and describe it like how you've just done, mm-hmm. um, you then have to deal with it. Mm. And you have to be super aware of it and make sure that you're not being your own worst enemy. And that imposter syndrome that we spoke about earlier, that's that voice going, like, who cares? Like, who cares about what you have to say? Are you good enough? Mm. Is this a conversation that pe- other people are having? Or, like, what's the value? It's like, no, actually, go away, voice. Go away, imposter syndrome voice. And that's, that's what I was saying earlier as well. It's like, I definitely have this internal conversation with myself. It's like, I know who you are. I'm aware of you. And I'm actually going to decide not to listen to you today. Yes, your saboteur. Gonna, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. And if it doesn't go great, and it doesn't go how I expect it to go, guess what? I'm going to learn from it. So I win. It's a win-win.
0: Yes. Do you know what this is making me think of? I'm absolutely segueing into an off-topic conversation already. Yeah. let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. But it makes me think of, um, I watched, there's a program on, I think it's on Sky Atlantic, about mm. Julia Child. Um. With Sarah Lancashire in it, Sarah Lancashire is a ultimate babe, and <laughs> it's great. It's just very feel good, lovely, comforting period drama, yeah. comedy thing. And she, it's about how she became a TV chef. And there's this basically, she pushes and pushes to get on to get on TV, and she she really um, puts herself out there and tries to get this pilot, and nobody wants it, and all of this stuff. And she does this absolutely disastrous first recording, yeah, and i and she ends up getting you know various things happen. she ends up getting a show yeah. but I, I watched it and i I was just so in awe of how willing she was to be bad yeah. <laughs> yeah. how willing she was to go. Nobody's ever done a cooking show before, yeah. really, you know this was pre what we're used to seeing on TV. And she was a chef, but she was trying to make dishes. You know, Coco vin takes three hours, and she's trying to do that on telly in 28 minutes, (laughs) kind of scripted, moving around a set. You know, all of the things that we're used to now but hadn't been worked out at that point in time. And it's messy, and the knives are blunt, and she's got to rip the chicken apart, and she doesn't know what her cues are. And it's just... Um, uh, chaos. Yeah. But it's like the the making of her. Yeah. Becoming a household name. Yeah. Because she's brave, basically. Mm. And so, anyway, that was a huge you're just, segue. You're just but preparing just, our listeners. I'm, to, I'm uh, pre- <laughs> uh,
1: hopefully, someone's listening somewhere. Mum, maybe Mum's listening. <laughs> maybe Mum's listening. <laughs>
0: For that kind of bravery.
1: Yeah. And that's a thing, right? Like that's a. And when you're in and when you're in environments that don't necessarily um naturally reward people for making mistakes or doing things differently, that's also could be considered a mistake if you do something differently. Yes. Um
0: personal risks.
1: Yeah, that's a yeah, it becomes a very risky, risky business. Yes. Um and you have to and you can find yourself trying to measure that risk. It's like if I do this. Mm
0: hmm
1: what is it gonna? It's the right thing to do. I know it is. And I think I've got much better at it, the more experience I have, and the more senior I am, because you, I guess you have a little bit more privilege, the more senior you get. Yeah. Um You you have a little bit more. um You have a little bit more. uh you have the ability to like make mistakes, essentially, and be able to like explain why you did it, and people will listen. Yes. I think when you're, more, when you're more junior or you're you're at the beginning of your career or maybe your career switching, it's a lot harder to do that. And it's a lot harder to be like, look at me, I'm just making mistakes. Like, but I'm learning. People are like, we just want someone that doesn't make mistakes.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Like, oh. You need to stop making mistakes is the kind of message yeah. when you're junior. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I always... It, that freedom that you get with seniority and the ability to take risks. Mm. I mean, this actually does, my segue, <laughs> though though incredibly off-piste, <laughs> has led us sort of to, to talking about what we're going to yes. talk about today yes. <laughs> on the topic of risk yes. and um, seniority and freedom to make mistakes and all of those things. Uh, what that, I guess the main thing we're going to talk about today, although we will see where the conversation leads us, yeah. uh, are all of these uh, layoffs, all of these um, uh, redundancies in the tech or in the big tech space, for sure. Uh, So to put that in perspective, I think I read that these are the biggest layoffs since 2001, since that kind of big major tech bubble burst, the dot-com bubble burst um, 20 or so years ago. And what we're seeing is between 10 and 20% of workers being laid off at some of these big tech companies, Stripe, Meta, um, Amazon is laid off, I think about 10,000 workers. Yeah. So
1: So, we, so we're, we're seeing worldwide more mm. than 120,000 tech workers losing their jobs as a re- result of the cutbacks by US tech companies. And that's having an effect, most US tech, US tech companies are global, right? Um, so that's having an effect on all of the countries that they operate in, and I guess all of the all of their suppliers as well. It will have a, a, a collateral effect on one hundred and twenty thousand tech workers.
0: Yeah, that's enormous.
1: It's huge.
0: I don't know how many people work in tech in general, but that feels yeah. like a uh, a pretty significant yeah. number. And then the question is how, or the kind of key question we're going to talk about uh, is how what impact this has beyond the obvious general human impact yeah. that any layoffs have on diversity equity and inclusion strategy on diversity equity and inclusion initiatives programs teams yeah. um and what that means what this potentially means for the future of of this space
1: yeah and and what impact is that going to have on you know, we've spent the last... I can't... I mean, ever since I've worked in tech, we've talked about culture, 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 culture. We've been investing in culture. Um, obviously, ping pong tables. Uh, ping pong tables, yeah. Yoga. Ping pong tables, yoga. Um, all the things that create culture, apparently. But yeah, but we've <laughs> just had such a massive emphasis on... Culture is king. You have to have culture or you can't deliver. And there's been um, a lot of of things that are, are, are done in a way that's very um, let's just do it because it looks good. Mm. Let's not actually do the groundwork and make sure that it is actually part of our culture. It's just about the image, essentially. Um, and then you've had companies that have really invested in it. What does this mean for that? Like, who does it affect? And how important is culture now? Like, is that something that's still surviving these cuts? Or is it, when I say culture, like the teams that are really um, important to that?
0: Well, what we know is that some of the biggest cuts already happening are in the teams and the departments where, that are responsible for culture. I mean, I know that there's that kind of adage that everybody mm. is responsible for culture. <laughs> and that's... That's the easy way. That's the, that, that's, <laughs> that's what maybe the CEO might tell you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people teams, yeah, HR functions, um, employee engagement functions, uh, some of the functions that are not even necessarily just in the kind of HR space, mm. but... Functions that are often described as not business critical, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. are we already know are some of the we're seeing some of the deepest cuts in those areas. And what we also know is that in those areas, you see often see uh, more minority individuals, more women, certainly. Yeah um and so there's there's a couple of questions here there's there's when you make deep cuts across any department you know across all departments in your tech company what impact does that have on culture full stop yeah and then there's another question of when you look at where the cuts are happening what does that mean for yeah. the message that you send and if the cuts are happening in areas where A, those people are responsible in some way for building culture, um, well-being, people, all of those kind of functions. And also they're the they're the largest concentration often of uh, people from historically marginalized backgrounds. What's the message that's being sent?
1: And is there a message being sent? Like, is there an uh, a... Uh, an active message being sent out by by these companies. Are they spending time to make sure that messaging is really clear, like around the intention? I have the feeling from 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 what I've read is that these companies, when they want to, they'll scream and shout about a lot of these things and be like, you know, we're making all these cuts, but we're doing our best to make sure, and this is what we're doing. Mm. We're not hearing any of that. From what I've read, we're not really seeing any of that. We're just like these are cuts that are happening everywhere. It's like, these are just cuts, 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 but there's no detail. There's no like, this is also the other thing that we're doing to make sure that it doesn't have a negative impact on our culture and the people that are left. This is the other things that we're doing to make sure that the people that are leaving those businesses, yes, there are, I'm sure there are great severance packages that these companies are putting together, but they're being put out into a market that essentially has no roles.
0: Mm. But this, well the first answer in my mind to your question is i i think a message is always being sent mm. whether it's explicit yeah. or not yeah. so you know what's the narrative when a company uh let's say fires somebody who's been at the company for a long time and doesn't really say anything about it or doesn't really treat that person well on the way yeah. out, and we all know that that's happened. Yeah. The company's not explicitly, let's say, bad-mouthing mm. that person, but a message, a very clear message is being sent about A, how we treat people, B, yeah. how we care about uh, about honouring the people's contributions on the way out, et yeah. cetera. So you're always sending some kind of message. Yeah, I agree. Whether you're being explicit about it or not, and and it seems from a lot of what we're reading about these current waves of layouts is there's an implicit message mm. that's being sent. Nobody's coming out the gates and saying, we don't care about DEI anymore. Mm. That was a flash in the pan. Let's just, all the stuff we said in 2020, forget that.
1: Put it on pause. <laughs> we'll that on pick pause. it back up when we've got money. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> Black lives matter some of the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, nobody's sending that that explicit message, but that, that there is an implicit message here. Yeah. But I suppose there is a question, or, or there's a there's a defence perhaps, mm. when layoffs happening across industry that this is an unavoidable thing. You know, do do you subscribe to this being to some degree? What's happening across tech, and it's just that's the way it goes.
1: I um, have an opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are tell by my face. I'm like, that sounds like some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the reason why I say that is because everybody, apparently, but tech companies knew that the behaviours, and maybe, maybe I'm making massive assumptions because I work in in UX, but everybody knew that this was the way our our changes and our behaviours were because of the pandemic. And they wouldn't necessarily continue that way mm-hmm.
0: as soon as we we're allowed to get
1: back out in the house, get back out of the house mm-hmm. and be able to start to, things start going back to normal for some reason.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: that's because of the, the short-term way in which um, tech and business in general works. is very reactive. They made all these big bets and investments in things that worked during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and forecast a bunch of stuff based on that. Um, And they essentially just got carried away Mm. in a lot of cases and didn't expect for there to be this economic crisis that we're going into now, which is a recession. So I do think, I don't subscribe to the fact that it was avoidable. I know it's a lot easier to say after the fact but I think it's some bullshit. Mm. <laughs> like, I think people need to take accountability and say, actually, we just expanded too quickly. And I think that—is that, um, Isn't that more,
0: always think, true of tech? We always ex- yeah, expanded it's so true. too quickly, <laughs> and we had to lay people off. It's so true. We got we didn't away. have as much runway as we thought we did.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we got, and part of that is the risk that you take working in a startup or a scale-up. Yes. I think we're talking about companies that are, have been around for a long time that know better. Yeah. Um, that. Did not really um make decisions potentially with the most amount of logic mm. um and that's why we're seeing such like they're massive layoffs um and so- and like Facebook for example is massively investing in in um in the metaverse there's thousands of employees working on it um is that the right thing for now? Who knows? Like, maybe <laughs> there is some visionary thing that that most people don't understand. But <laughs> maybe
0: it's so visionary. Maybe the metaverse is so, so visionary. visionary. We just can't see so, yeah. it. Yet. It's just the the emperor is wearing silken robes yeah. that are just Im- Im- not discernible to the naked eye. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah we're just it, we're just not of the right ilk to be able to understand yeah, yeah, we don't, and yeah. see that far into the future. Or maybe we just can't see that far into the future because we don't have the means and the security to be able to just fall back and go, hopefully this will work. Yeah. And in the worst case scenario, I'm still a millionaire.
0: But it's just also so far in the future <laughs> yeah. that it like has circled back and it looks like a PlayStation 1. Like, I don't yeah. know how we've, we've gone so, we're so visionary, we've kind of come yeah. all the way back and it looks like well, Tekken. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: <laughs> and it, it's just not, there's this weird thing going on with the metaverse that I find so fascinating. Is like yes, we will get to what a lot of the what people are speculating we'll get to in some shape or form. But we're trying to sell that on essentially what looks like, yeah, like PlayStation One level graphics, tech. like yeah. Parappa the Rapper graphics. Like that's what we're dealing with here. We're like this is going to be the future. And it's like, yeah. but this looks it's
0: like Crash Bandicoot, like, like looks the past better when I was <laughs> yeah, when I was seven.
1: Yeah, it was more massive. <laughs> yeah. <it was. laughs> Um, I do have an Oculus and I love it and I think there are if it wasn't sold to be this visionary thing you just the the gaming element of it which I don't think translates when you see videos of it is a really big part of it and in the gaming industry it's like really known that graphics aren't everything Mm -hmm. it's about the design game design that's what really hooks people graphics is a very small part well it's a part of it but it doesn't have to be everything um
0: Because I'm a non-gamer. Yeah. My partner's a gamer. Yeah. So the only the only games I like watching her yeah. play are, like, Fishy Assassin's Leaves. Creed oh, yeah. Odyssey, Brilliant. you know, because yeah. I'm like, well, I can sit and watch this because yeah. I'm watching a film.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm
0: watching you play a film. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and a lot of games are built that way, right? They're, and they have traditional storytellers and filmmakers that are now building out these games. So, like... Um, yeah, like Assassin's Creed is one of one of them. Um, Uncharted territory is, is is a is another franchise that I love. It's like you're playing a film, mm. and people can watch it, and all the cutscenes are like really well scripted, and yes. you know you can tell there's work gone into it. And I think that would still. I've played some of the older ones that don't have the best graphics, and I I kind of got into the franchise a little bit later, and I was still just as hooked. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the thing that There's, like this big delta. Between what's being sold and then it's like, and this is it, the future. Yes. And it's like, oh, that's not exciting to look at because and I'm not seeing all the other dynamics underneath the surface. Yes. Um like I I the um Horizons, which is like the kind of partially user created, generated worlds where you can like walk around and go into these different rooms. I was like, I just wanna see what this is like. Um and I was like quite impressed by how like you can get quite hooked to it. So there were like a few user-generated worlds that were quite interesting. There's like a courtroom one mm-hmm. where people take like all the different positions. So you have like defendant, plaintiff, the jury, judge, and then you play out like this this whole like courtroom scene plays out, but it's all unscripted and like
0: so it's like almost like improv role play yeah. courtroom. Yeah.
1: And then, like you, you can you watch it play out. And some of the, the ones that I was in were like were hilarious. Like they just people were you were completely immersed. For one, mm-hmm. you didn't even really care about people not having legs. And and, <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite funny. And actually, it brought some of the comedy because like people, if you like hold the controllers behind you, your avatar like goes up into the air, and the arms become really long, go behind, and it starts like glitching. Yes. and it's just like it's just really funny. Yes. Yeah. So there's like you can see where like it's all about the gameplay which mm-hmm. is really important for something like that but like it's not sellable. Yes. And you're ploughing loads of money into it. It's being oversold. It's being you're using like literally computer generated adverts that aren't real gameplay.
0: And is there you know in the meta example it feels a bit like You've gone to bat for this thing quite publicly, yeah and expensively, and there's a load of sunk cost now the, the you've now got egg on your face if you mm. say that was an expensive experiment, that sucked we're yeah, just yeah. gonna
1: you have to commit to it right like
0: yeah, and is there a with with the tech phenomenon that we're seeing yeah, is there an element here of You've got the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, the Elon Musk of the world. I mean, arguably sociopathic individuals mm. <laughs> in charge of... <laughs> we're going in. We said it would be an unfiltered. <laughs> yeah. And it is. Um, in charge of these enormous companies that affect... That have, in some cases, tens of thousands of of employees mm. making abstract decisions yeah. about where to invest and where to cut and how to cut,
1: yeah.
0: seemingly not rooted, you know, if I take the Elon Musk, ex- Musk example, seemingly not rooted in any kind of, of logic. Yeah. You know, how do we reconcile, you know, I don't think this is the case in all of these companies. Yeah. You know, Stripe, Lyft, all of these companies, mm. are, you know, will have... Um, I'm sure competent leadership teams, yeah. but in some cases you do have companies that are being seemingly led with very little logic, a lot of executives being fired in the Elon Musk case, a lot of executives walking out on yeah. day one. Yeah. Uh, ERGs, so employee resource groups, so communities basically yeah. being decimated overnight. Yeah. I think there was a Blackbirds. Yeah,
1: and Twitter so women.
0: Twitter women, all decimated overnight. Yeah. You know, how do we reconcile, I suppose, the decision-making that's happening in some mm-hmm. cases with the commitments to culture that were being made yeah, two years ago?
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really good question. Is I'm sure if you asked um, Elon that, he would say, yes, we thought about that. I mean, did you, though? Like thinking about it and taking it into consideration two different things, like, I, I feel like a lot of these decisions, decisions are made on a surface level without, in a way, in a very clinical way, without diving too deep into the collateral effect it will have and Mm -hmm. damage that it has a lot of the time. So was... The Blackbirds group at Twitter disbanded because there was nobody left to run it. Because of that's just how it landed, how mm-hmm. the how the axe fell, mm-hmm. or was it that there was a conscious decision and it was known, or maybe, maybe not all, but and was it was it kind of known that, oh yeah, we're probably going to lose the Blackbirds group if we do this. Is that a risk we're, we're willing to take? Yeah. Mm. Both are not right, but at least, if it's done, if it was unconscious, if it's unconscious, it's unconscious. If it's conscious, we've got another problem that we need to deal with. I suspect most of these things are pretty unconscious. It's yes. done at a high level and it's a collateral damage. That's then like, oh, I didn't think about that. I know in my experience, when I've had to go through these things, um, I've definitely had to do a, like a lot of upward coaching to say, you know, that if you make that decision, like the collateral damage it could have and what the message it sends.
0: This will be the result. This will
1: be the result. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Didn't would it? I'm like, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I think this comes on to a, a, something that we were talking about, you know, in advance of this, which is. You know, Elon Musk isn't a great example here because this is the Twitter uh, implosion. Yeah, is just such a unique thing that we're watching in real time as someone yeah. takes over something and
1: so eviscerates
0: it from the you know. So that's its own kind of beast in a way. But I think this conversation comes on to some of the things we were speaking about in advance, yeah. which is when layoffs happen. How are the decisions made and what is what is the humanity of the decision making? Yeah. And how how do how can a business reconcile its cultural commitments and its human work with sitting in a room of executives looking down a spreadsheet and yeah. saying, Who's, who are we gonna cut? Yeah. And are those decisions ever neutral? yeah can they ever be neutral
1: <clears throat> yeah and i also think how are those decisions impacted if you don't have a diverse workforce especially in more senior um, or allies in more senior roles making some of those more granular decisions that truly understand the impact it's going to have yes i've definitely been in scenarios where it's like okay so we the company needs to reduce the workforce by 30 percent who's your 30 percent Mm. I mean, I think as a black gay man, I probably start thinking about, okay, what does this mean for the team? How do I, how, I start thinking about the cultural shift it's going to create within that team. I start thinking about, and I'm not saying this is just exclusive to black gay men thinking this way, mm. but when you come from an underrepresented group, there's experiences that you've had, and you know how these things have impacted you how will changing that environment make someone like me or someone in my team that's from another kind of intersection feel? Um, and how will that impact performance? Like this is also commercial, right? And I think that sometimes there's a clinical approach to these types of things of like, everybody's the same and we just take percent away and all those people will continue to deliver the same. It's like, no, you've taken away some of the magic that makes you've taken away some of the fuel
0: that yes. allows
1: them to deliver like that.
0: Well, there's there's a few elements to that as mm. even that point because both of us have been in situations yeah. in working within tech companies where layoffs have happened, and either we've been part of it, we've had to deliver that yeah. news in some way to, to our teams, mm. or we've not have been part of it, but we've observed it and yeah. lived through it and lived through the the aftermath of it. Yeah, and. What is always interesting to me is, there's that aspect that you've just spoken about, which is if we cut 30% of an organization, we can't expect that the remaining people are going to be operating at the same level. Yeah. Humans don't work that way. Yeah. We, we can talk in very aspirational terms about how we wanna make sure that everyone's working at their best at all times. Yeah. But in order for people to be working at their best, they need to be fulfilled and able to be creative and psychologically safe. Yeah. And guess what, no one's psychologically safe yeah. just after all their friends have been cut yeah. or half their team has been cut. Yeah. And one of the things, so there's that there's that aspect. And then there's the other aspect which, in my experience, I don't know if you've fe- felt this as well. <laughs> I'm always surprised that people seem shocked by this. Mm. But, but, um when you make mass layoffs another percentage of people just leave yeah and that always seems to be surprising yeah. to people yeah. <laughs> they're like oh we let go of you know 10 people in our 30 person team and now another five have left yeah. and it's like yeah yeah, yeah and, and <laughs> of I, course <laughs> yeah and
1: i think people are surprised because it's also very unpredictable how that will fall you don't know the relationships that that person has formed across the business, not yes. just within their team, it's not contained, it's not containable. And I think that's what shocks people. It's like, okay, we lost some of it. Oh, wait, hold on, why is that other person? What are, and then when you kind of look back at it, it's like these are relationships that were formed because they were working on things. And it's a cross functional, potentially a cross functional relationship, where people are doing different things and building these relationships, talking openly with each other about their experience and what's happening and also people that are maybe aligned in terms of value values yes and are willing to be like actually no i don't i don't want to be here if that's how that person was treated so yes. guess what i'm off and i think that's very hard to and then you have the observers so you have people that are not i think a lot of businesses think they can pull the wool over people's eyes and mm. what they're not realizing is sometimes in businesses employees are ahead of the game. They can see what's happening, they can see it playing out. They're not in an echo chamber sometimes like the leadership might be, and they have a yes. better grasp of what's going on.
0: You see that when um when messaging gets delayed. Yeah. I, I'll never understand why messaging gets delayed. Mm. This seems to again be a phenomenon that happens over and over again yeah. that surprises I people. Not help but feel like
1: the way you're talking about this is like with some sarcasm. Like it's, <laughs> it's phenomenon. It's just <laughs> yeah, it's true it's though. It's just bizarre. Yeah, I,
0: I've I've lived through this so many times that um, not necessarily in relation to to mass layoffs, but yeah. but you know, let's say the company has decided to let someone go, Yeah. and. So we've just
1: got a motorbike go driving through the studio. This, <laughs> <laughs> Someone's trying to. Um, We're in London. It's gritty.
0: Yeah. It's a gritty <laughs> situation. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> it's real life. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, you know, let's say an executive will be let yeah. go for whatever reason, and when an executive is let go, there's a series of things that have happened in order for that to take place. There's a series of conversations that have happened. Yeah depending on how senior they are the board might be involved
1: yeah
0: there's it's not a willy-nilly split-second decision
1: yeah
0: and then either the messaging won't go out
1: yeah
0: or the messaging or there'll be some scramble to get the messaging out then the messaging will be really wishy-washy or clearly inauthentic yeah
1: or some parallel messaging has happen- is happening awesome. at the same time.
0: And that's what happens when you delay the messaging. Yeah. Parallel messaging starts to happen because people start to talk and yeah. say, what's happening over there? Yeah. Have you heard that there?" Yeah. And this kind of gossip machine starts yeah. to fire up. And, yeah, that's another thing that, that um, companies, and I suppose both of our experiences in tech, mm. seems, seem to get wrong time and again. So you I suppose there's this question around how... What's the right way to handle the very human um, thing that we're talking about here, which is when you lay people off or you ask people to leave or you fire people yeah that's a human thing that you're doing you're impacting someone's real life, yeah you know we were speaking in advance of this about um some of the some of the people who who are being laid off at the moment who are. Indian nationals yeah. and are losing their visa status, yeah. and maybe four years into a six-year visa process, and loads of real knotty life consequences. It's really complex. And yet, how do you handle these, or how do you how do you make these decisions without taking those things into account?
1: Yeah, yeah. and. I would suspect you don't have the resources to think about those things at a very granular level when you're making those top level decisions. But I guess it's how you empower middle management. I guess anything, anybody who's not in a C-suite or VP and below, I don't know, um, at whatever level it is for your business. How do you trust and empower them to understand what you're trying to achieve, sense check it? And lead with some of those decisions, so not only can they deliver that authentically, but they are taking into consideration some of those things, and you need to have people in that middle management, like I said earlier, that are able to think in that way and understand in a bit more depth and speculate on what the different scenarios could be and how we can how we can support that. I think even me just saying that, I feel like a lot of people that are making those decisions at the top are like oh, that's too like." details like i just want something easy
0: it's easy to make these decisions in more of a detached way because yeah. maybe the more you think about the human side of it the more difficult it gets but even when you know i've i've read a few articles that have mentioned ways in which people have tried to handle layoffs in a more inclusive mm. way whatever that means yeah and have still <laughs> failed because they've empowered middle managers Mm. to make the decisions, but the middle managers have still come to the decision to lay off mostly black or mostly Mm. uh, historically marginalized uh, workers. And so there's an interesting pattern there of sometimes even when a company perhaps makes a decision to do something which on paper sounds more inclusive, Mm. they still end up falling into that trap
1: do you think it's something to do with trying to go from zero to 100 percent too quickly it's like let's do this thing and it's so extreme there's no like stepping stones to it there's no time for people to 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 allow to, to bring those middle managers up to speed to like this is the pitfalls that you could fall into don't make these mistakes or like just be conscious of this thing, and the this is what we're going to do to develop you to be able to make those decisions. I think we go from like one extreme to the other, and it it creates this very like um it creates this very um binary approach to things yes it's like now we're doing this and it feels very like, like clinical like, all in
0: on this thing yeah, now yeah and then no the numbers changed. we're all in on that yeah. thing now it
1: didn't work so now we're not doing it and it's like well no, hold on what did what part of it did work <laughs> yes. and what part of it didn't no, no no yeah. on to the next like, thing like shh shh, kieran Shh. <laughs> no but i didn't shush. <laughs> Both. Like, well, yeah, like, but shush. stop saying but stop asking questions like okay but I can't stop asking questions.
0: <laughs> I think um, there is a short-termism to tech Yeah. in general. Mm. There is a grow at all cost, quickly, get as many users or get as much revenue in a short space of time as possible. Higher, mm. um, higher, higher, fire, fire, fire. Higher yeah. quickly, fire quickly. You know, there's that kind mm. of, um, by its very nature, it. It's an industry that burns through things. Yeah, including people. Including people. Mm. And I think what's happening now, where the rubber hits the road almost on some of the DEI commitments, is how do we reconcile the burning through stuff quickly, rocket ship, uh, build it while you're on it uh, mentality, with the human cost of things like mass layoffs yeah that's one kind of overarching question and then there are these almost more detail oriented questions which are around well if we made a commitment in 2020 yeah. to be more inclusive and to be more diverse and we acknowledge that george floyd was mm. murdered horrifically and we suddenly realized that racism was a, a lived reality for people who work here. Yeah. And now we wanna be better and we wanna make statements about being better and we've hired, we've made some modest yeah. uh, you know, developments in hiring mm-hmm. more inclusively and bringing different types of people into our business. Mm. W- one question there is who are they and where do they sit in your business? Mm because if they're new and they're junior they're the first to go <laughs> when you make yeah. a mass layoff often if they if there is bias which there is there's no yeah. if there yeah. if there's bias when? with your <laughs> middle managers yeah which there is yeah. then another thing that you could say is okay we're not going to do the 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 last in first out strategy but we are going to look at performance okay but we all know that performance systems aren't neutral either we all know if that women if they exist at all true yeah. but we know that women and people from from minority minoritized communities get rated lower mm. for doing the same level of work yeah so again now you're looking at performance yeah but we know that that's not existing in a neutral yeah. set, of, set of circumstances yeah. So now we're in a position where we've burned through all of this runway we thought we had. We've hired, 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 and we could make all of these great statements when the going was good and we were yeah. growing. Yeah. And now we've got to make some cuts. Yeah. And where are those cuts going to be? Mm. They're going to be with the workers <laughs> who are the newest and the most junior, mm. are sitting in the teams that are seen as overhead yeah. and not business critical. Yeah. And they're going to be... People who are "quote unquote" not performing,
1: yeah, or have complexities around their their situation in yeah. terms of professional situation, which I think is for me. <clears throat> just going back to the article that you, the, the, the article, and what's going on with a lot of um, Indian nationals in the US is that they um, are on this high B visa, um, which then I, I understand needs to be renewed or Mm. in that six year period that it's valued for, the expectation is that the person will seek to get um, citizenship that is and I'm just speculating here, does that become a risk when you're making those decisions Mm -hmm. if we keep that person compared to the person that's a US national Mm -hmm. like we have to keep sponsoring them. Do we have to keep sponsoring them? Will they get sponsorship? Will that role then become not seen as 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 um, accepted as part of that visa, whatever visa that they're on? And and that's one thing, right? That's from the commercial side, which is like messed up in itself. That that is like something that might. I mean, I'm speculating that may not be a conversation being had. It may be an unconscious bias type thing that's happening when mm-hmm. decisions are being made. But I think the other thing as well is, you know, are you thinking about what these people have built in that time with this specific situation? Mm. So this specific visa allows you to apply for permanent residency, so they may be in the process of doing that, um, but also allows them to buy property in the country. Mm. Have they invested in buying property and building a life over however many years. It might not be that they get citizenship in the first six years, so it could be 15 years that they've been, or however long they've been building a life, they've been adjusting to a new culture, they've built families, friends, and you're basically saying that you've lost your job, you've got 60 days essentially to find something else, or you will be deported, Mm -hmm. or you will have to leave, not deported, you will have to leave and resolve it from afar. So you have to find a job and you're not actually in the US anymore, in the country that completely changes your to take circumstances. You're school
0: in the US.
1: Yeah, like, has is that does that get taken into consideration?
0: I would imagine not. Mm. But then there's also the the flip side of, sorry, I shouldn't say I would imagine not. I think these things do get taken into consideration in terms of severance packages. In the best yeah. case scenario, mm. if we if we think of the companies that are doing the most human. Most thoughtful approach to layoffs, some companies do th- offer some help on the way out, yeah. but, but broadly speaking, I think my experience has been it is what it is. Yeah. you know. We're letting this person go. you know, I know that there was a, a situation when, when in a previous company, there were layoffs at pandemic layoffs, mm. early April 2020 mm. layoffs. And there was a member of team who was let go and was visa was about to re- be renewed and just had to go home, just had to go back Jeez. within, I think, about two or three weeks. Were they able to go back? They, there was a bit of a quarantine. Okay. Situation. There was a whole quarantine yeah, yeah. couple of months where it was like yeah. they had to spend time in a hotel here for a month and they had to spend time in a hotel there for a month. There was a whole f- process around it. But basically, mm. within, you know, days, it was clear that they just had to go home. mm mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, I think broadly speaking, these things aren't, aren't considered deeply. Yeah. And then you have the, the flip side in some ways of uh, when you take the Twitter situation. Yeah. Debacle (laughs) where (laughs) Elon Musk is, is, you know, just um, completely unhinged, let's be honest. Yeah. And has let thousands of people go, thousands of people have now also quit. He did his Twitter 2.0 email, reply by 5 p.m. or I'll accept your severance ultimatum. Yeah, to work
1: longer hours harder, right? Yes,
0: yeah. You know, all of this stuff that he's doing, this, this, uh, you know, narcissistic, egomaniac behavior Mm. and who's left behind in Twitter now? All the people on visas. So so there's also the interesting flip side, which is yeah. having, being, being in a situation where you're an, you're an immigrant worker in yeah. tech, yeah. if you get laid off, obviously you're in a terrible situation. But if you're in a situation like the Twitter one, sometimes you're trapped
1: you're in, an a,
0: option. in a toxic environment, that is so bad. in a workplace that is treating you However, it wants to treat you. Eighty-hour working weeks. Yeah. Most of your team have gone. You're picking up work that you have never worked. Your projects you've never worked on before, and you don't have a choice because you're on a visa.
1: Yeah. That's so bad. Like it. It's not what you expect of like the modern (laughs) workplace. And also, I think the thing that really like pisses me off about the whole Elon thing is like and you see this play out as well um, in in a lot of companies. It's a game, it's like a big game, everything's really funny. It's like, no it's not. It's not a big game for a lot of people. Um, You know, this is maybe a smaller risk for you in terms of all the companies that you have and all the future that is the the prospects and the potential of, of, of other businesses. But this is having an immediate impact on people's lives And there just seems to be no accountability for decisions that are being made. Doesn't seem like there's a much logic going into those decisions. We're applying we're applying decision making kind of frameworks or whatever whatever they are, whether they are frameworks or not, from a completely different type of business Mm -hmm. to tech, and just kind of almost doing it very like in a very jovial way. That's like look at me it's so funny i'm i'm playing this character in real life with real people Mm -hmm. that didn't don't want to be a part of this show they never subscribed to that Mm -hmm. they never agreed to be in this situation and it just feels really insensitive and it feels really like disconnect it shows a disconnection and i think you do see that maybe not to the same levels of, of it Extreme, not to the same levels of extreme. I've definitely seen that in corporate environments where there's just like this massive disconnect, and it's almost like a. There's sometimes like a jovial kind of, um, you know, minimising of the impact of the things that are, decisions that are being made, the actions that are being that are being taken, mm-hmm. um, or there's a um, clinic. Like, making it very clinical. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what you have to do when you're in business. This yes. is the way you do it. It's hard, but everyone will be all right. Actually, they won't. And also, I'm not sure if this business will be all right if we continue making decisions like that.
0: Well, it's... So many of the things you just said, that that attitude is in some ways a product of of being in a privileged position. Yeah. Being safe, a lot being of the Being safe. And... We know tech has a diversity problem. Yeah. The people who run tech companies, boards of tech companies, executives in tech companies, tend to be certain demographics, certain yeah. life experience, certain amount of wealth, yeah. pre-existing wealth. Yeah. And so risk is... What is it? it th- there's, no necessar- there's no real risk. Lose your job, get another job. What would you do? Take some time out.
1: If you have no risk. <laughs> like what would you do like I, what would I do if I, I had no con- there was no consequences to my actions